I am your host, Tim Perez, and you're listening to another episode of Pints and Leaders, where we grab a pint, share a drink, and hear from local business leaders who have donated their time to bring you valuable insights, stories, and information. In one form or another, we are all in sales. It's an evolving game, and gaining a competitive edge can take you and your business to the next level. To learn more about this podcast, featured guests, or anything else related to the podcast, you can find Pints and Leaders on any streaming platform, all over socials, or on our website, pintsandleaderspodcast.com. Nick, this is like the first time, no, this is the second time I'm doing a podcast with someone I just met, so I'm pretty excited. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, let's get going. This is another episode of Pints and Leaders, where we grab a pint, share a drink, and hear from local business leaders who have donated their time to bring you valuable insights, stories, and information. In one form or another, we're all in sales. It's an evolving game, and gaining com- a competitive edge could take you and your business to the next level. To learn more about this podcast, featured guests, or anything else related to this podcast, you can find Pints and Leaders on any streaming platform, all over socials, or on the website. So, Nick? We are going to jump into a beer, and I have a feeling that we can't even twist these off. So, yeah, it doesn't look like that. No, yeah. Let me go grab an opener. I'll be back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now we can get these beers open. It looks like we have some Victory Beers Sour Monkey Triple, nine and a half ABV. So, cheers, my friend. Cheers. Let's get it going. I'm a terrible pourer, so if this one turns out good, I'll be surprised. There we go. Looks like you're getting a little bit better. Oh, if you're that. terrible. Oh, God, the last <laughs> one, I think it was a darker beer. I had a lot of head. I was like, God, yeah. I'm looking like a rookie here. So cheers, cheers to you. All right. It's pretty good, yeah. It's actually really good. I like that a lot. I found a new beer. Yeah, for real. I'm doing a podcast next week. One of my friends, Johnny, he runs... Uh, a beer tasting podcast. So I've been trying to get my uh, my knowledge up to yeah. try to compete with them, but at least we'll have a good time. Just have him on your show regularly. Yeah, that's what we're gonna <laughs> Johnny, you hear that? You're coming on to my show next. All righty, Nick. Well, let's do a quick intro for you. Nick's one of the few people actually from Tampa or from Florida in general. Uh, born in Gainesville, he moved to Tampa when he was nine years old, graduated high school here in Tampa, attended college in Ebor and St. Pete. Uh, proud dad to his only child, Noah. Big Bucks and Lightnings fan. Uh, something interesting that Nick has uh, worked alongside some of Tampa's most influential chefs. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, p- professional point of pride for Nick is while he was working for a big four accounting firm here in Tampa, he beat out two tenured employees with master's degrees for a promotion that was two levels above his own position. Uh, he's a homeowner and an investor and has lived in more than 80% of the Tampa neighborhoods. That's pretty cool. Uh, Nick still loves exploring and experiencing everything Tampa Bay has to offer. And as like the past few years have happened, it seems like the definition of what Tampa is is kind of getting bigger yes. and bigger and yeah. bigger. The inches on the map keeps going wider yeah. and wider for people sure. People in Wesley Chapel saying they're living in Tampa. I'm like, eh, <laughs> yeah, sure. People in Bradenton and some people even in Sarah, Upper Sarasota are like, yeah, we're we're part of Tampa Bay. Like, right, no, right. you're not. You it's tried. but <laughs> Everybody's welcome to hop on the wagon. We know exactly. Tampa's cool. It seems like the whole entire nation found out about Tampa through COVID yeah. and the remote work pandemic, you know. That's exactly right. It's yeah. been pretty interesting to see. You know, I went to university 
University of Tampa. You know, my lone partner and I, John, went there together. It seemed like it was just a transplant of all the kids up north who wanted yeah. to go. Yeah, in to a lot of Florida ways, it anyway. was. Everyone was from Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York. Right. You know, it was just the same. You know, yeah. high school just a little different for me. Right. <laughs> um, but you, you've actually lived in Tampa Bay all of your life. Right? Uh, most of my life. I moved here when I was nine. Mm-hmm. So I've been here since I was nine. So I call myself a Tampanian or Tam, whatever you want to call that. Tampon? <laughs> Is that it? Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> little... Trying to avoid that one. So it's always like, Tamp, maybe not. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> so nine years old, you came to Tampa, grew up here, went yeah. to school here. What is it like, you know, looking back at when you were growing up here compared to what you see now? So Tampa has changed tremendously. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've lived in Temple Terrace. I've lived in Carrollwood. I've lived in South Tampa. I still live in South Tampa now. Yep. I've lived by, um, you know, where the casino is mm-hmm. in the Mango area there as well. And the biggest changes I've really seen have been development because when I first moved here, a lot of these spots were just land. Right. Like the casino was just a bingo hall. Wow. Like a 80 person bingo hall. And That's now surprising. look at that thing. Yeah. Right, it's exactly. Gigantic. <laughs> it's like a hundred times the size now. Mm-hmm. And you can take a look at anywhere, anywhere in Wesley Chapel, anywhere here in South Tampa, especially like south of Gandhi, yep. where those are just plots of land that have now turned into these mega mansions and these huge sure. um, apartment complexes and condominium buildings and mm-hmm. things like that. So, Development has been a big deal, a big amount of change. And then also um, something that I don't feel like a lot of people touch on, but I think we need to because it shows how far we've come. Mm-hmm. If if you're ever – when did you go to UT? 2005, I moved from New Jersey to here. Okay. Did you go to Ebor in 2005? Yeah. My 21st birthday was on the third floor at Prana. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you had go. a great Very time. Nice. Yeah. Well, you were familiar then of how it wasn't really the best area of town. Agreed. Um, there was even some people I knew they would refuse to walk there, there during the the day, sure. but now you can go there any time of day, you have yep. no issues. So yep. crime has really reduced tremendously. For sure. And I credit that a lot to Pam Iorio, who was our previous mayor, mm-hmm. and now also Jane Castor, who was the previous uh, mm-hmm. police commissioner. And she's done a phenomenal job of keeping our streets clean and keeping sure. us safer mm-hmm. as a community and as a whole. Great job, Mayor Jane. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we actually just got to hang out with her. We did, uh, we sponsored the Badge Bowl, which was fire department versus police oh, nice. department Very in a nice. flag football game. So that was pretty cool. Who won? Uh, police They won by a lot. Honestly, that's surprising. The fire department had a subpar quarterback, let's say. I think they had some issues, but they might have had their starter get hurt or something. Gotcha. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, no, I completely agree with you. I mean, going to UT, we pretty much stayed in this little bubble of places you do and don't go. You know, you don't really go up the river a little bit. Now that's armature works. Now it's beautiful. There's gorgeous apartments. It's 2500 bucks a month for a one bedroom. Exactly. Exactly. And then going back over to the Ebor corner, Gasworks is coming. They were trying to bring the baseball team over, but it looks like they're staying in the same They've been trying to take the the baseball team for the last 30 years. I, <laughs> I mean, it, I would love it if they did. I wouldn't have to go all the way over the right, bridge. Exactly. But I still enjoy going to baseball games. Yeah. So St. Pete gets to keep their little, you know, feature. Hey, you got to give them something. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> go ahead. Just make the trop awesome and we'll be there a right. lot more. Right. Please. Just cl- still claim you're part of Tampa Bay yeah. area. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll take credit regardless. <laughs> for sure. But I completely agree with you. Tampa has changed. Water Street, you know, the Channel Side. Yes. When I was in college, I worked in Channel Side. I worked at the Bennigans on the second floor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I remember when the Bennigans. That long was time a ago. long time ago. Right? <laughs> so now it's, you know, a complete different look. It's, yeah. you know, uh, what do they call this? It's the trailers that are converted to restaurants. Uh, they're like, um, oh, my gosh, I lost the word. Yeah. 
I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, yep. like the yep. uh, shipping containers. Yes, yeah, the shipping, shipping containers. containers. Yeah. They're now like a bunch of restaurants. They got this big open lawn. You know, when the ships come in, you know, yeah. it's just really cool place to be now. Yeah, exactly. The aquarium's always been there. Yeah, the aquarium has always been there. They're, they're, I feel like they're trying to do a few things, yeah. but we'll see what happens once gas works and everything kind of moves into that Ebor area. Sure. I know Jane Castor, the mayor again, was talking about revamping that whole entry area yep. to the aquarium, making it just look a lot nicer, more accessible to locals sure. as well as uh, cruise patrons. Yeah, so. and I just saw they're adding like another mile to the river walk. So this thing five. is going to go all the way to Orlando. Five, five miles. miles. Yeah, that. they're going to, it's going to go all the way up to uh, past Ebor, past Tampa Heights. That's cool. And then, Curve back down straight to downtown again. That's awesome. Yeah, it's well, gonna be amazing. I love how Tampa has expanded, but I hate the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to get some big city traffic. It's getting bad. Feel. Yeah, in a couple spots. And yeah. then, but that's one of the things about Tampa, right? So I've lived here for like almost thirty years, yeah. and. Just looking at the amount of time I've been here and the amount of time that 275, the I-4 intersection, has been under construction, it's been about the same amount of time <laughs> that I've lived here. <laughs> it's true. And now 275, the Howard Franklin is getting a whole other bridge added yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that's wild. pretty cool. Well, you've been here a long time. You've done a, a few different really interesting things. One of the most interesting to me is that you got to work with some of Tampa chefs. Yes. How was that? What did you do? What was that like? So I met both of the chefs that I worked with um, at the casino. I worked at the okay. casino years ago as part of my culinary career of my life, so sure. to speak. Um, and I worked with Taro Loreo, who mm -hmm. used to be the executive chef of Eddie V's when they opened. Awesome. And now he's moved on to his own um, business, Tablas by Taro, which is like a catering business, nice. things like that. And the other chef was Chef Michael Buttacavoli, who, mm -hmm. if you don't know, went on the Food Network and beat Bobby Flay on Bobby Flay's show. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He's got a little Italian place uh, called China and Channel Side, sure. and they're competing for like you know, Michelin stars as well. Very cool. So th those two are really kind of impactful in that time of my life mm -hmm. as far as what I've learned and how to approach things. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that I got from that experience, because I, I kind of entered it as a prep cook sure. and then worked my way to line cook, and mm -hmm. it's kind of where you stay for a really long time in yep. culinary. <laughs> yep. um, but I learned a lot of time management. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot of urgency in the mm -hmm. sense of what what's important and prioritizing things. Sure. And then also, I think a really big piece of it is pivoting, mm. right? So we'd start the day with, okay, we've got seven prime ribs. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've got this many producing uh, plates from that, whatever. Hit the end of that. Oh, wait, we still have eight hours that we're open. Service. What do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> New special. And, like, <laughs> and my, my chefs would be, often have an idea, but yeah. occasionally they'd just be like, hey, you figure it out. So I would learn to learn to pivot and be like, okay, well, we can't do prime rib. We can do this other other thing and make yeah. it work. Yeah. Um, so those skills have really helped me develop into the real estate role in, in the ways that sure. you know I can tell what's the most important piece mm -hmm. of, to tackle first. Like, do you have funding? No. Okay, let's back yeah. backtrack a little bit. Get funding first. Yep. Um, and then as far as pivoting, you know, you know from your own experience as well. Yep. Sometimes contracts just fall through. Yep. Sometimes through no, nobody's fault of their own. Mm -hmm. It's having some way to pivot the customer, teach them, say, hey, look, we're going from point A. To point A didn't work out. Let's look at point B yeah. now and continue the process without having any type of negative impact on them as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a few years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity. I got to work out of Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. And Bobby Flay actually every year goes over there for the Derby. And he that. hosts um, a, like a biscuit breakfast, a you know very very famous high end uh, historic house, and he comes in with his team and they host this huge breakfast, two hundred and fifty plus people for Derby. It's really cool. But living there, I got to encounter 
multiple chefs that I would hear their name and got to meet them if I was lucky they were in the restaurant. And then I see them on Food Network the next week. I was like, oh my God, this is really cool. So I didn't know it was, you know, like my connection to food and seeing it on TV was just really awesome for me. But one thing, those guys work hard. Oh, yes. The hours that are put in is really insurmountable. Like no one really sees how early they start and how late they're there. And that's something that I know as a mortgage person that my clients value. I'm there absolutely after they're done working. That's when we start working, right? Absolutely. You know, absolutely that's when right. the phone calls come in. That's when they're able to communicate about what they need, what they want, or how we can solve the problem together. So I I agree. I think that kind of experience does translate into the work ethic needed to be successful in the real estate and mortgage business. Absolutely, completely. Yeah. You're completely right. I can couldn't agree with that more. And yeah. like truly just kind of looking, again, at the hours amount, I remember when I was working in culinary, I would yep. start at 5 a.m., yep. and I would be done at 3 a.m., yep. and then I would have to come back at 5 a.m. and do it again. <laughs> it's wild to think about. You just yeah. somehow do it, right. but it's what it takes, right? Right, exactly. That's what it takes. And then like trans- translate that to real estate, like you said, in the mortgage industry, yep. being able to do that and hold that as hours yep. while still accomplishing things during the day that are regular business hours sure. really impacts the customers extremely positively. So yeah. it's all worth it and good. I completely agree. So- Thinking about all those people that have, you know, maybe coming from out of state, moving to Tampa, uh, or those that maybe live in Jacksonville, Gainesville, different areas of Florida that may be considering coming here. uh, What's your advice to them as far as what they should be looking for or what areas to look at? you know, based on their needs? Um, well, so first of all, I would always recommend to talk to you first, yeah. you know, get pre-approved, <laughs> get pre-approved. Day. Yes. <laughs> get pre-approved, then call me. Yeah. Um, and then as far as what area they're looking at, I really think it depends on what their values are and what they need out of their home and yeah. what they're expecting out of their home. You could go to horse country. You could be Absolutely. in the middle of slick city and exactly. water street. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, your budget will determine part of that, obviously, sure, but also the lifestyle you want. Like, do you want to be able to walk to Publix yeah. and then walk to Amelie for a light game and then yep. take an Uber to the Bucks game? Or do you want to... sounds great. Exactly. It sounds fantastic <laughs> to us. Yeah. But then there's, like you said, other people in horse country up in northern Wesley Chapel of yep. West Ocala area. Mm-hmm. They just want that peace and quiet when they're home. They want yep. nothing around. They're willing to drive that hour, hour and a half. So I think yep. it's, it's important to kind of define what matters most sure. and how your how your quality of life will improve based on what you're looking for. So I like to sit down with my clients, and I'm sure you do the same. Mm-hmm. To kind of evaluate that with them. Yeah. Kind of go through a basic checklist of, okay, do you really care how close you are to Publix or is it just kind of a convenience thing? Like, Mm -hmm. where's where's work? Do you work from home or do you need to drive an hour and a half south? You know, whatever it may be to make things work a little bit more smoothly. No need to look at the area with the good schools if there's no kids in the house. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Consider that an investment property in the future. Right. Exactly. (laughs) One of my good friends, his dad is moving down from New Jersey, selling his property, and he's you know, has always wanted to live the boat life. Mm. So he's going down to Punta Gorda. He's getting a, you know, a house with a dock in the backyard. He's going to live the boat life he's always wanted. You know, he didn't want to be in the city. He wanted to go enjoy fishing. He's towards the end of his career. He's got a few years left. That's all he wants to do. Him and his boat and his wife, he just wants to have a good time, you know? That sounds like some bliss. Other buddies. <laughs> they, they're 25 years old. They just want to party. They want to walk to everything. Right. So they're looking for the high-rise apartment, you know, going to Sky Point or something like that where you walk downstairs and the world is your oyster. Exactly. You know? Exactly right. I love that Tampa has all those options as well. It does. It really does. And like... The starter home areas, you're looking like Wesley Chapel, Northern Tampa, Eastern Tampa. Yep. Those people who, like you said, like buddies in 25, you kind of look towards South Tampa, Ebor, sure. Water Street. And then as far as 55 plus and the elder crowd, yeah. we got everywhere in Florida. But we've also got 
St. Pete beaches, Madeira beach. There's a lot of those 55 plus communities with that access to those boats, access sure. to that water, everything like that. It's, it's yep. wonderful. We got a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, just to finish things off, I know we talked about it, but I know you said you had a book that really impacted you and your career. Maybe just you personally, tell us a little bit about that book and maybe some of our listeners will want to, you know, dive in and hear more about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's admittedly very far off topic and very esoteric. That works. Um, so it's called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Okay. It has nothing to do with Zen and nothing to do with motorcycle maintenance at all. Interesting. Um, it's a book written by Robert Persig. Okay. Who's a, he's a philosophy major back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept of the book is diving into what does quality mean to you as an individual okay. and how can quality exist in the world without our opinions. Interesting. So what is the baseline of what's high quality and low quality? And kind of the first time I read, I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. So at that age, you're very susceptible to all kinds of influences, right? Um, And it kind of opened my eyes to what's important in life, Mm -hmm. right? Because I started to see things like at the time I owned kind of a crappy car. I was 16 years old. I was lucky to have a car at all. (laughs) I think my first car was donated by my neighbor that passed away. That was my first car. She was like 90 years old. (laughs) Exactly. I think I saved like allowance and stuff. spent $1,000. That was about it. Yeah. So a little beater. Um, But it worked at the time. But Mm -hmm. kind of looking at that car compared to where I'm at now or, you know, driving a nicer luxury vehicle, it's kind of like, well, as far as quality in life, mm-hmm. I would much prefer to have had this luxury vehicle back then, obviously. Sure. But at the time, it's all I knew is high quality was what I had. Yep. So it's interesting to think about how quality evolves over time and how we define our own quality, but also how life kind of finds its own version of what's what matters is high quality, right. like family and friends and things like that. Wow. So it's kind of a very it's a very unique perspective and it's I very like very dense read to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I it's can very imagine. good. Well, at least you didn't pull out Grant Cardone, you know, the same, the same ones everybody brings. I know, I, I know. I yeah. think that was pretty unique. I yeah. like that suggestion. Uh, well, when I was going through, um, you know, social media holes today, I came across a, a pretty great quote that I wanted to share with everyone. It says, the only man who makes no mistakes is the man who never does anything. And President Roosevelt, when I looked at I believe this quote was back in 1902. The world was very, very different, but I believe this principle still stands to today. You have to get out. You have to take risks. You have to have fun. You have to do what you want. And then in the end, you know, mistakes are a good thing. Right. right? How else do you learn? Right. How else do you improve without yeah. finding out what you're not good at? <laughs> For sure. Well, Nick, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I'm sure we're going to have you back and, you know, chatting with you. We'll be able to talk all things Tampa and more. Um, but I appreciate you joining us. And, uh, That was Pints and Leaders for you. Cheers. Thank you.